don't make us who we are So I'll dream until I make it real And all I see is Well, hello everybody Welcome to the same bat time and the same bat channel For Mentorship <laughs> Mondays with Michelle and Marin As you can tell, I am nasally I am up in the nose area and I am sick with a cold, which is actually going to be kind of what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk a little bit about that. So it worked out nice in that sense, but um, how you doing, Marin? It's so good to be here with you on a Monday. It's so good to be here with you. I know, I know on an actual Monday too. Um, I was just thinking about that, how excited I was that I get to talk to you today. So it always makes my day every day I get to talk to you. So I'm super excited. Me too. Yeah. So um, we we were chatting about what we're going to talk about today. And like, we really do have so many things that we could talk about. And um, but Marin and I have really, um, we both have a lot of interest in um, healing in the body and emotions and how do those emotions connect to your body and when we talk about uh, spiritual communication these are all the foundations to having that clarity to be able to hear spirit to feel spirit so the importance of all of these things is telling us that everything is connected our mm-hmm. bodies our minds our emotions our diet our actions, our reactions, our beliefs, all of it is connected. So there's not one piece of your puzzle that is not connected to the way your reality is playing out and your experiences. And so that's why it's so important to us to talk about this. Yeah. I always love the phrase, um, you're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And I just love like, you know, you think that you're like this energetic soul with all this energy surrounding you and you perceive all that other energy and that affects your body, yes. not the other way around. Not the other way around. And, and, you know, we were just talking a couple of minutes ago and it's like, the concepts, like when we speak about it, it's like, yes, that's so simple. It makes so much sense right but yet it is still so widely unknown in the mainstream you know it's just even uh, you know we talk about uh, uh, doctors or, or people medical doctors that I'll talk to and they know this you know I'll, I'll talk to a doctor about it and and in some of my own appointments and and asking about the emotions and and some of them do know a lot about this and yet they don't exercise it or really teach it or go into it because it's still kind of out here or they think that it's not taboo they don't want to be the one you know although there are many many doctors that are studying this and that kind of is what brings us to today because Marin's been doing some studying and some research and she's got so much good information which I'm going to do some research on too as well but um, something happened that you were starting to share about one of your boys, actually both the boys. And I think that this is really amazing what has transpired. So maybe share with us, share with us what yes. you experienced with the kids this weekend. Yes. 
So um, I can't remember if I told the first part of the story on the show or not, but tell um, it again. Tell it again. Yeah, I don't think you did. I don't think again. you did, but okay. I may have heard it. Um, okay. So one day earlier this year, uh, the boys, we were driving to school and my oldest son was upset about um, like, why do superheroes have superpowers and we don't? And I said, well, I said, you, everyone has a superpower. You just have to figure out what it is. And he was like, well, what is mine? And so I kind of thought about it and I was like, I know what it is. It's that you can sense other people's emotions. Like you're really good at feeling how other people's, how other people feel. And you feel that way too. And he was like, huh, okay. And then, you know, my little list was like, what am I good at? And I was like, you're such a good lover. You care about everybody. You look like, you know, he's so sweet and kind. Um, but then that, um, night I, I literally think it was that night because I was like oh my gosh that must have been like a spirit influenced conversation because that night my um, youngest fell on his bike and skinned his knee and it was really bad like he should have gotten stitches but we didn't go to the doctor and um, my husband and I both had to calm him down and get it cleaned up and my older son ran and hid uh, in this, like in the stairs, um, in another room while we were getting him cleaned up. And then we finally got my youngest all, you know, settled down and he was like relaxing in bed with a show on ice on his knee, bandaged up happy. And my oldest came in the room and my husband goes, have you been crying? And he's like, Oh no, this is just dry eyes. And, um, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so we were like, okay. And then he was getting ready for bed and he goes, mom, I have something to tell you. I was like, okay. And he goes, it wasn't dry eyes. And I was like, it wasn't what happened. And were you crying? He goes, yeah. Remember my superpower, how I can feel how other people feel. He goes, I, I could feel the way Quinn was feeling. And I, and I just started crying for him. And I was like, oh, I'm so sad that you were scared and we weren't there for you. And he goes, I wasn't scared. I could just feel that Quinn was scared and it made me cry. And I was like, okay, like, you know, thank you for sharing and like always share that with me. And so we kind of moved on and I was like, gosh, like, that's just amazing that I had that conversation with him literally that morning. And that he was able to like, use that and like have awareness of what was happening to him and yes. not just like gosh am I like you know this wimp that cries when I see blood like you know he was like oh no I'm feeling his feelings yeah. um which was really cool yeah. so cut to this weekend <laughs> um my boys were spending the night at my mom's house and they've done it a hundred times and everything's been fine but for whatever reason this time my youngest started crying for me and wanted to go home and didn't want to like continue the sleepover and my mom was trying to like settle him down and it wasn't working it just made him cry harder and so then she started to get frustrated and like started telling him to be quiet and then she said you know if I if I did this at my grandma's house she would have spanked me which obviously was not any bit comforting for him (laughs) like it's like I was like, mom, why did you say that? (laughs) He was like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so, um, so 
then, uh, so anyways, then my mom was like, it got really bad. And, you know, I said that and then Tate started crying and they were both crying and I didn't know what to do. And so it was like a bad, bad situation. And so then that morning, um, that was like later that morning, but my husband and I were sleeping and we get this ding, 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 ding on the doorbell. And we're like, what is it? It was my mom bringing home my oldest son who had a stomach ache. And she was like, he just wants to come home. He has a really bad stomach ache. And, you know, she had like a little bucket with him. And um, he just went and like laid on the couch and was completely like, I was like, oh my gosh, he must have a really bad stomach bug. He literally went just from her to the couch and was out for like three hours. And my husband and I were like, what's wrong with him? Like, was it the food he ate? Was it, is it a stomach bug? Like what's going on? Because like, he's not like this. Like he'll go to a sleepover with his friends up way too late and just run and gun the next day like so just to like be that zonked yeah um was completely unlike him and then have this stomach ache was so unlike him and um and then I was kind of like I remembered something you said to me one time about how he is a transmuter of energy and um and I was like I think he got sick from all of that like drama that went on, you know, like that was like a lot for him to handle. And so he finally woke up and um, he was completely fine, like went off, played with his friends, personality back, like just took like a three hour nap and was fine. And, um, and then I was kind of talking to him about what happened at this, at that night, because like my mom got really frustrated. I want to just like, you know, hear his side of the story. So I was like, you know, how, how long did Quinn cry? Like, did Dee, Dee comfort her like or comfort him like what you know and he was like yeah and you know how I have that superpower and I said I said yeah and he goes well Quinn was crying so I cried too and I could feel Dee, Dee how frustrated Dee, Dee was and how sad Quinn was and it just made me really sad I didn't know what to do and I was just crying and I was like wow it's like you really do have that superpower and he's like, yeah I do and so it was just so cool for him to like be able to again put the fact that they were that was like emotional you know upset and that that he was feeling their emotions and he was able to justify it that way but take it one step further I think all of that really truly did make his stomach hurt and make him sick and make him like exhausted yes and like it it had a physical impact on his body even the next day she's My mom said he slept through the night, but then the next day it had like a very physical impact on him and to like, uh, justify my rationale or however you say that we had to go. So then he had a birthday party that night and, uh, my youngest who was the one that was crying and didn't want to be there, wanted to go hang out with her while he was at the birthday party and have some one-on-one time with her. And, um, so we went and dropped him off on the way to the birthday party and we were coming, uh, like we like literally backing out of her driveway and he's like, Oh, my stomach hurts again, mom. You wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, he, and he just got worried about like, Oh my God, I'm going to be sick at this birthday party. And I go, Oh my gosh, we're around the two of them again. We're back at her house. Like there is like some residual energy that you're picking up on. That's making you sick. And by the time we left her neighborhood, he felt better. Yeah. So there is like a true emotional, physical connection yes. that no one talks about. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm listening to you tell this and, and I mean, I've, I heard you, I had the pleasure of hearing it a couple times, so I'm getting a lot of information. 
and um you know nobody does talk about it and the very first thing that came to my mind was how much shame a child has the possibility of carrying if they don't understand what's wrong with them and I say this because I can remember being a child and becoming sick sick in the middle of the day at school uh, headaches stomach aches skin rashes all kinds of different ailments and my parents nicknamed me the hypochondriac because oh, yeah. they didn't they were like what is wrong with you it's all in your head you're not sick yeah. and I would go through bouts of um I I kind of knew that there was an emotional connection to it because my anxiety or because I was bullied or I was um, teased by a lot of kids for several years in a row, the same kids. And so I knew enough to recognize that anxiety of school and connecting to certain people to feeling sick. But it was very hard to express that outwards because you know, my parents were sick of me staying home and being sick or the school calling Michelle's sick. Got to go home and they'd be like, you're perfectly fine because I'd sleep and I'd be fine. And sleep was always the answer. Still is for me. Huh. You know, um, my children are the same way. They are like carbon copies of me. So with my girls growing up, I think what I did was wanted to step in and use my intuition to kind of step in and fix things for them when they were little so that they wouldn't experience that because I knew their sensitivity which wasn't good for them mm -hmm. either but I still didn't understand myself at the time so not having that understanding and so for your son to have that experience to have your guidance is going to be an absolute blessing for him yes he'll still go through those challenges with it but he's going to know and he won't repeat things he'll know how to handle it and how to take care of it mm -hmm. but even now so as i was saying about me being sick right now so when we talk about sickness what exactly is it or how does this relate itself so for me we've had a very emotional past few weeks you know my my brother had his knee replaced and he helps with my parents you know my parents are disabled my father's in a wheelchair and so they require a lot of help so he's not been here to help with his knee surgery so there's some different roles that I'm playing that I haven't done for a long time um, so a little busier in that area a lot of emotions a lot going on uh, my father fell last week so I got a call at 11 o'clock at night and I, I don't know what I, I remember saying to Archangel Michael, give me strength to pick him up off the floor. And I did. I lifted him right up off the floor and I couldn't believe that I did it. And wow. but but it's all of those things. So you think about the intensity with emotions, intensity. And I mean, I've got teenagers, so <laughs> things happen in there too we won't get into all that but but let me just say they are excellent teachers they are excellent teachers so um but uh the what happens is our vibration starts to shift so we're always i mean we are energy we're always vibrating 
And when we're in emotional states that are heavier or lower vibration, our vibration can dip down. Um, we get burnt out, we get tired, all of those things. So that's, that's why I am sick right now. It's because of emotions. So it's not really because of one thing. And it's not that I picked up something from somebody, but because I do work with energy and I'm running a lot of energy through me with other people. And of course, life is life. And I go through my stuff too. And that's why I'm sick today. Now, um, I don't get sick like I used to. And this is the other thing. When you understand how your energy works, and the only way I understood it was by studying myself, by studying what was happening in my life. And this is really what I did throughout the recovery of after having cancer, studying my energy, how I felt, how I was reacting in different emotional situations, what was hard at the time in my life. And then I would relate that to what was going on physically and then look back at my past to understand what was going on with me at that time. So it was a, a lot of studying. And now um, I might get sick and only be sick for a day, you know, or just for you know, enough to get a break and kind of get resettled or re recharged again. But Eric was just saying earlier when Mary and I were talking that sometimes we also get sick to get a break so that we have, you know, a, a moment to kind of regroup and, and breathe. Um, it is absolutely amazing to me that we are not teaching this in our school systems, that this is not uh, a, a just as important as your food guidelines and everything else that all people should understand and have the knowledge, whether they want to believe it or not, or you know put it in that's just the same as here's all the different ways you can eat and you decide what you put into your mouth well here's all the different uh scales of emotions and here's how you think and how you feel and all of these things all play into the success you feel in your life the success of your health your mental your emotional your physical and your experiences in life that's how we raise our vibration and because we have many powerful empaths, because empaths are powerful, energy transmuters, healers, activators, very, very powerful. And it's so important for the empath to understand how do I operate? How, how do I feel? And just understanding little things like um you know thinking out of the box like it's not a stomach bug it's it's the stomach's been bugged by something emotional you know mm -hmm. there's something else that you're carrying and and your boy is a transmuter so he's picking up on how he feels in feeling everybody else's energy he's aware of everything that's going on he's taking all that energy into his auric field it's like he's a washing machine and he's washing it all out and sending it back out but then he's left with this residue and it knocks mm -hmm. him out and so rest was i think the most important thing for me that's the first thing that i would do and still do if i'm overwhelmed laying down and 
Esther Hicks or Abraham Hicks talks a lot about meditation and rest being a reset. And that is very true. Um, for me, that's a reset button, being able to lay down. So if any of you are, are going through these types of things, and I'm sure most people that are watching this channel do experience and have experienced these things, that it, it's really a good idea if you can take a moment to close your eyes and lay down and relax. Ground yourself is another thing that you can do to ground your energy, but rest is by far for myself the most effective most effective what else yeah. have you have you learned anything that really surprised you about this so well what is so obviously um synchronistic is that i'm reading this book that is talking all about this um all about the um mind, emotion, body connection. And um, it's so interesting because there are so many um, incidences and, and examples that he gives where um, our bodies truly do react to energy. So he gave this one example. I'm reading two books. I'm, I'll preface these books too, because you guys, everyone has to read these books. Yeah, I just cannot say it enough. So, and again, I'm not reading them. I am listening to them. <laughs> I, I, um, I do a little, I do a little combo. I'm doing a little combo. I bought the audio book and I, um, I, I don't know what you call it, rented it, checked it out at the library so I can like look at it hard copy, but I'm listening to it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, because I just, it's like, you know, I read a paragraph and then someone talks to me and then I have to reread the paragraph again because, yeah. and then I, it's so. I get it. I do the same. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge waste of time if I try to read. Um, so my two books, okay. That I am reading, this is from Gabor Mati. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but we've got the myth of normal or my point, my finger is here. The myth of normal is the best. Well, not the best. They're both great. And then Scattered Minds is the second one. Mm -hmm. So the myth of normal is all about how we're getting all of these diseases and like autoimmune diseases, anxiety, depression, ADD, um, you name it from our emotions. And it's like, well, how come so many people are getting this? Why are our emotions so out of whack? And he's saying, because we're not living in a normal environment. It's not normal to, he mm -hmm. said in 1930s, uh, um, what do you say? 1930s men fathers had 40 hours off a week to spend with their families, and now it's like down to like 10 or something like that. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. And so, like, you're so the father is constantly stressed, and then the kids are not having the quality time with the father, so their times, you know, not becoming quality time. Um, so it's kind of like this whole snowball effect with society. I mean, and that's just one example, like the amount of news that we get, um, the pressures put on us of work and school and college and the price of things and like, you know, and staying up late and uh, you're expected to like, you know, I don't know if my husband's work events, it's like they're expected to stay up, like their dinners start at like 8 p.m., you know? And they're supposed to stay out and talk and drink and hang out. And then they're like meetings start at 7 a.m. You know, it's like 
that that constant pressure of go 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 yes. is not normal no. it's not what our our bodies are intended to do and so we are putting on all of these um coping mechanisms on our bodies and um and they're they're staying so like with attention deficit disorder he says you you're going through these experiences as a child and your body is using a coping mechanism and he says a lot of sensitive people or a lot of uh, children with attention deficit disorder are sensitive they're extra sensitive mm-hmm. and so they have to use these coping mechanisms more than like, the ordinary child that's not sensitive yeah. um, so like Tate for example would be considered a sensitive child yeah. um, where he just picks up on things so much and so to get away from that like crying that energy you might use um the coping mechanism of um, like detachment, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you, you detach from that situation. Well, well, then you start overusing detachment or you continue to use detachment when you don't need it. And hence that's ADD. So he was never, so critics of him say like, oh, like, you know, not everybody's been like traumatized as a child and now has anxiety, depression or whatever. And his thing is saying that you don't need to come from a traumatic childhood or traumatic home, our environment in general is traumatic. (laughs) And, um, and you have a normal body and a normal emotional system that's trying to navigate all of these different, you know, things that we're going through. And he's like, and no matter how hard and how like me, of course, I'm like the most, I'm trying, I think I'm more aware than most of emotions and how they play. And here he's still in a situation where, you know, he's got to disconnect and, and it, you know, it's hard for him or like the skin knee, like things still yeah. happen. He's just yes. extra sensitive. Um, and, you know, so, that, I just want to interrupt for a second, because that, that makes a lot of sense because um, we did a show on blog talk radio a little while ago and Eric's done shows before with talking about empaths and star seeds and earth angels. But the bottom line of all of that is they're sensitive these these people right. that are, are sensitive and so what eric has shared is that they come into the earth with a higher vibration which is sensitivity right higher right. higher vibration is not a better than type of thing it means that you are um clear in a certain way so if you are extremely sensitive your vibration was expanded you carry more of your natural vibration onto the earth and because life the earth is a heavy dense place to begin with then we get all of the trauma society carries and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying it's it is Mm -hmm. and and so this is also important to remember that we can't look at somebody and say that one person has had a lot of trauma like we can't judge trauma in other words, we can't yes, look and say yes, he that says person that has not had a lot of trauma, so they shouldn't feel this way. Because I used yes. to get that. I used to get, well, you grew in a loving family and you had this and you had this. You you have no reason to be like that. You know, oh, and that Michelle, used to you're going to love this destroy me. Yeah, I think I will. I think that's the whole first, I don't know, one of the first few chapters is all about like talking about that and how, um, so there's capital T traumas and little T traumas. And so your capital T traumas are the ones everyone thinks about. 
And he's like, and even honestly, people still aren't to the point where they are thinking about that. Like, you know, you're people still really are not thinking about emotions and like, oh, you went to war, you might be traumatized. Like people are not, they're thinking you, you're here and now you're back and now you need to get right back into society or, yeah. you know, like, I'm oh, gonna, you had a- I'm going to tell you something. Sorry, I mean, to cut you off, but this, oh, no, I will ahead. love this book. I will love it because you will love it. Uh, something that I really noticed walking through the experience of having cancer is that that was um, a completely different world. Being diagnosed with a, a, a disease that is like now you are going to spend a lot of your time in this building with these people getting these treatment like your whole world changes because yeah. suddenly you were doing laundry one day and the next day you're filled up with one doctor appointment after another and getting all these treatments and new people and new schedules and everything it's a reality shift not only yeah. to deal with all of the emotional and mental and physical changes that happen mm-hmm. through this so being that the treatments really the intensity of the treatments are a year when that year was over, there were a lot of people that were like, okay, you're good now. You're good. Yeah. No, come, on, come on back and join us. Come on yeah. back and jump in. And I was like, I felt like I had been through my own war. You know, I'm pretty sure that's a big, uh, that's a capital T, a big T trauma. Yeah. Like I'm almost 100% positive. Yeah. yeah. That, Even for your children, that yeah. would be a most of my my children are still processing yes yeah that was you know we went from my cancer diagnosis to shortly after their father had a cancer diagnosis so um my kids spent um geez from 20 2014 was my diagnosis until 2018 2019 with a lot of intensity and even leading up to that I was ill and had addiction and other things so they are in uh, and I think they're doing amazing because they've really come a long way but as a family like we had trauma as a family and so I'm really watching them and I don't have the same experience as them you know my life at home growing up was fairly safe it was outside of my home and and yes all families have things and there's stuff and all that kind of stuff but I mean in in this case so my kids are dealing with a different a different situation again and I'm learning a lot through their eyes and not yeah not looking through the eyes of trauma but trying to understand what they've experienced so it's I'm really glad that that that's addressed and that's so important because trauma I mean trauma is trauma anyway you've experienced something you can't compare one situation to another because we are all different you know our sensitivities Mm -hmm. are different so one thing could happen to me that may not affect me so much it could happen to someone beside me and just be devastating to them Mm -hmm. it's so important we don't judge that on Mm -hmm. somebody Mm -hmm. and that's what he says he's like you know we're just now accepting the big t traumas and there's these little t traumas where you could have like a a few little t traumas that impact you the way someone with a big t trauma would 
and we're not even looking at the little T traumas yeah. yet, you know, like a critical parent or, um, you know, a un, um, dependable parent or, you know, bullying at school yeah. or, um, different things like that. So yeah, it's, and then it just all impacts your health. So what was really cool was he was saying that, um, so with autoimmune diseases and other diseases, he said that, um, they actually like, there's a lot of studies, first of all, but second of all, um, like doctors would start to notice characteristics and personality types that went with these different personalities. So like ALS would be like this one type of personality and like rheumatoid arthritis would be another personality. And he said like at this one hospital, doctors used to like joke, like, Oh, not nice enough for, I think it was like, like ALS or um, cause apparently ALS people are just like overly pleasers, you know? So what that is, is that's repressed anger and repressed um, like just repressing your feelings and your anger um, is when like the, Oh, perfectionism is the, the those combos that create like that type of um, autoimmune disorder or I don't, ALS is a, a degenerative disease, but um, but anyway, so I just thought that was so interesting. And then he had doctors that like went, you know, got interviewed in his book and they wanted to remain anonymous because they felt like they would be ostracized if they were public about this. And it's like, here you have there's scientific data, there's anecdotal data, there's all this information out there stating this disease, personality, trauma connection and, and no one's acknowledging it. And like time and time again, he like will interview these patients and, you know, and they'll be like, oh, and no one ever, you know, had this autoimmune disease and no one ever asked about my like personal history, like what I went through, what I was going through at the time that it, you know, started. And it's like, why don't we look at that? Like what's right. happening in this person's actual life besides just what's happened to the body right? to treat this disease or, right. you know disorder and and that's disease should be treated illness anything should be treated with the whole package yeah treatment should be complete well and that's what he's saying he's not like anti-medicine he's he's just saying it's just highly inflated like we really need to look at the whole treatment option And, and he says that like oh this person had cancer and they they you know successfully um, are in remission. And yes, they did chemo and radiation. Like that was a very important part of their recovery. The second part of their recovery is that they decided that this wasn't an illness. This was something that they needed to process through their life and kind of exactly like what you did. So you're just going to love this book about how you look, when did this happen? How did I feel during this? And you truly like heal. Um, and, and what's so interesting is even, and I've talked about this in the earlier episodes, the, um, the heal documentary, the yes. pe- there was a woman that, um, healed from cancer and it was, she was like, it's truly because I healed like emotionally yeah. is what I feel like. You know, she's like, yes, I did chemo and radiation, but I think it was the emotional healing that happened that helped yes. me heal. Yeah, most definitely. And, and it's, it's very powerful because that was my very first realization of my own power was taking control of my emotions which was my only choice of what I 
well, really what I, I, the only thing I felt I had left to do was take control of my emotions. It was the only thing I had. I felt like I'd lost control of absolutely everything else. And that yeah. was blazingly obvious to me that Michelle, you can decide what you're going to do with this, how you're going to go forward with this. Are you going to use this to your benefit? Do something with this with yourself? Are you going to figure this out? Well, the one thing I decided I'm not going to do is I'm not going to go on the internet. I'm not going to focus on all the doom and gloom with it and the what ifs. I'm going to do everything in a forward direction. And exactly as you said, I'm going to use this as a time to reinvent myself. Michelle, your healing story is so incredible to overcome addiction and then get diagnosed with cancer and to have the mental capacity to regulate that and navigate that is unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah. I did it, I did it with a lot of spiritual help. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I had a lot of help throughout it, but, but it, um, that is, and I, and I'll say this, I feel that that healing, like that was my miracle. And I feel like everything else I'm experiencing now is like the cherries on top in life. Because going through that is like, whoa, like I got through that. Like I actually did get through all of that. And I'm very proud of myself and I feel very successful doing that. And I know I worked very hard through that. And I was never able to speak that way to myself. You know, yeah. I was never able to say, good job, Michelle, like you really did this and be really, truly proud of myself. And I am, yeah, I am today. And that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And that feels really good to be able to say that. Yes. And you should be. Thank you. <laughs> you should be so proud. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. I didn't know this was going to turn into a good job, <laughs> Michelle. Thank you very much. <laughs> a little Michelle counseling session. <laughs> true true hey i need it every now and again too um but um i think we're gonna have to check back into this and talk about this some more as we go along the process of of um i'm gonna start i'm gonna start and i'm going to order my audiobooks today (laughs) and i'm gonna start and uh i'm excited i'm excited because i that that's just right up my alley so i'm very excited for that but it's um, just so interesting it is it is and I know there's so many people that are watching us that have had issues with their body um emotions we've got so many empaths well but I want to I want to talk about too is like and you might be the perfect example although you seemed like you had a lot of clarity, but like, I know there's so many people out there that are so conflicted. They're they're They haven't been listening to their body for so long. Their body's so out of whack. You know what I mean? And like, how do you, how do you come out from that? How do you start listening to your body? How do you start putting up those boundaries and, you know, like well, sometimes I, it's like you can't quit your job when it's when it's you know a, a stressful job. So how how do you make those like baby steps? This is what we'll have to talk about next time because I'm sure it's like a yeah 
a long oh. topic, but how do you make the baby steps to start listening to your body to start getting well? What do you need to do? Well, I didn't have clarity when I started because I was just, I was coming out of my addiction and then I had a little boy. A year later, I had Marcus. And then a year after that was when I was diagnosed. So it was almost like the universe said, that didn't shake you enough. So let's give you a little harder shake because she didn't quite get it. (laughs) That's how it felt, Mm -hmm. you know. So at the time when I had my diagnosis, um, I was not clearly hearing spirit. I was... I I mean, I used prayer and all kinds of things like that, but not anything like I do now. Very different. So the very first thing, when I got to the point of, and this was about a month after my diagnosis, I have known, and I've had this inside feeling for years throughout my adult life, that I knew I was ignoring doing the right thing. It's the only way I can describe it. I just knew I wasn't doing the right thing. I felt like an imposter I felt like I was pretending to be something so I never felt truly connected as even as a mother and I can say that today because I feel differently today yeah but but even as like I I would always question what I was doing and when I would hear this little voice in the back of me saying you need to do this I'd be like nope that's too much work Mm mm-mm I had a lot of problem taking responsibility. So I wanted to do everything the easy way. And I had a lot of guilt for it because I felt very lazy. And that's what I was saying to myself. You're lazy. You can't finish anything. You don't do anything right. If people knew what you were really like, they wouldn't want to be around you or they would say this about you. That's where that space was at that time. So the first realization was just knowing that I could not act the way I was. I had to be me, meaning I had to be honest. That meant being honest with myself and honest with other people. So if somebody was asking me, and and that truthfully was the very first step, somebody was asking me a question rather than me pretending and to say, oh, no, I'm good. No, I'm not actually good today. I'm tired and I'm going to go and lay down. Like little things like that. Little baby steps of being clear with people. Um, Because for me, I had to be honest with myself and take responsibility for my decisions. Because I'd had a pattern throughout my life where I would let other people make decisions and I kept thinking it was because I was making things easier for other people but I wasn't what I was doing was I was avoiding taking responsibility so that I didn't have to feel the fall of something if it didn't go right it was like I was hiding away from big responsibilities and making it so that oh no they know how to do it so they can make the decision Oh, no, I don't care. I don't care. You can whatever, whatever's good for you is good for me. Even if I felt that there was something that I really wanted and I wouldn't express it. So it was like having this little realization all over the place that like, Michelle, you're not, you're living for everybody else. You're living through everyone else. What's good for everyone else. And you're gliding 
you're gliding around. You're not making decisions for yourself. You're not living a life that you really want. It doesn't mean that I wasn't me. It's just I wasn't I wasn't doing the best for me above and beyond everything else. So the very first baby step I took was, and I've talked about this one before, was the grocery store exercise. Was I actually, and this popped in my head. So this side, clearly one of my guides or somebody helped me with this, but um, I remember being at the grocery store, right? And being like, you know, I took something off the shelf and I put it back. And as I put it back on the shelf, I was like, I'm putting that back. And there's going to be somebody walking around here going, why can't people just put things back? Like I heard it all in my head and I'm like, oh, I'm leaving because I'm not willing to walk back to the back of the store. I've just automatically decided to put this can or whatever it was. I can't even remember on the shelf right here and leaving it for somebody else's problem. And if everybody did that, there would be stuff all over here and it would cost another person to pay a person to go put all that stuff back. Like it just all came into me all at once, just standing with this one item. So I walked that item all the way exactly back to where I got it and I put it right back perfectly placed. And I said to myself, okay, if you can do that, now every time that happens no matter where it is if something falls on the floor if something you're going to pick it up and you're going to put it back and it sounds so simple but I did it and everywhere I went I would always it was like not cutting corners it was being self-responsible it was inviting a way for me to feel confidence in something and that's not how I looked at it at the time I looked at it as something that made me feel good because I listened because I heard it, I listened and I did it and I felt better. So for me, continuing to choose that on purpose was creating a momentum. And again, I didn't understand momentum or vibration or why does that work or any of that stuff. I just knew how it made me feel. And it made me feel better. So I started to also decide that I wasn't going to put any negativity into my mind or my body now this can go another way too because we got to be really careful to not like ignore something when we've got something going on we need to feel it and work through it but in those beginning stages it was really making choices about what I thought about my treatment and that's where I focused first because it was too much everywhere else it was I'm going to be as positive as I can about this treatment and it was just one step after another from how I spoke to nurses and doctors to how I, you know, I was going in for chemo. I made it a day of rest for myself. I brought artwork. I brought music. I brought a pillow. Like I, I made it something for me. I turned it into something for me and I had no choice but to do that. So the breaking down of everything happened to me. And partway through the experience, I really realized it was happening for me because it was changing me. So that whole process was perfect every step of the way and hard. Yes, but I was feeling the changes. I could feel them inside. I could I was starting to get ideas inside about how I wanted to be of help 
to other people. So really you started listening to your body, right? And listening to your intuition and then following it. That's exactly it. I stopped ignoring myself. Yeah. Just said enough. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I say things changed, uh, so this was, um, May 2014th was when I had the diagnosis and by December of 2014, I finished my, um, I finished my, um, First round radiation. Chemo? No, radiation. chemo started in chemo started in right away because the tumor was so large they had to shrink it first to operate on it. So I started chemo right away in May June, and then I was done chemo in December, and I had my surgery in January 2014, 2015, 2015. And I remember coming out of that surgery, and I was like, okay, I'm brand new. I'm brand new. I am completely brand new. And that's where things really started to change. Like wow. that was that was where things, my reality started to kind of it was like everything started to fold in. <laughs> like things looked different, felt different. Um, wow. You know, I, I was starting to meditate and see things and hear things. And it just got very deep. And that's, you know. And here we are. And here you are. (laughs) Yeah, it just kept going. I just kept going forward. And that's, that's what I do. I just keep going forward. You know, if I have to stop and experience something and go through it, I do it. But I always know that it's happening for me. Well, it's so funny that that's exactly what Eric said is sometimes you get sick. So you'll take a break. It's happening for you. And the disease or the cancer or whatever you have is a culmination of, you know, so much unlistening of your body so much, you know, it it took a while to get there, right? It didn't just appear. And so you have to undo that and listen to your body and your body is your barometer and put up those boundaries and yeah, listen to your intuition, like really just get in your body. That's that's there was something he said in the book about how disconnected we are from our bodies Yeah, that we don't even, um, Oh, that's what he was saying. He said, um, you know, if someone asked me what I was thinking, I'd tell you everything I was thinking, but if you ever to ask me how I was feeling, I'd be like, I do not want to know how I feel. You know, yeah. like, I don't even know how I feel. Like it would like kind of set him off. Yeah. And, um, because we don't listen to our bodies. We don't know how we feel, like truly how we feel. You know, he said, even like interviewing some people, they're so disconnected from the like emotional, like pain, but yes, pain that they're living in that they don't even understand like what they're going through. Like, it's not until you really dig before they're like, Oh, and I even said that. I think I said that in one episode. I'm always like, Oh, I'm happy. And then like, you start digging and I'm like, Oh, I'm not happy you know so we are so scary it's a little scary yeah you know when you think about it because I always thought I was happy yeah I really did I really thought I was happy but I didn't know what this felt like I didn't didn't know that there were other ways I could feel I didn't know that I could feel good every day 
You know, I didn't know I could wake up happy. And, and to me, it just, it's a very different way of living. And, um, and does it not require, you have to put up boundaries. Sometimes you have to take care of yourself. You have to say, I can't do this because I need to listen to myself or I can't, you know, um, this is so silly, but we have, um, we, we need our sleep. And so we have, you know, this couple that wants to get together with us and they're like, how is eight o'clock dinner? And we're like, um, no, we can't make that. No, oh, no way. There's not a we chance I'd be doing an eight o'clock dinner. Right. So, um, you I have don't. to put up, you have to put up boundaries and listen to your body. And, um, so it's true. And, and, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because just like today, um, like when I'm done here, I've got a few things to finish and then I'm checking out for the day because I yes, feel miserable. And if I don't take care of myself, then I'm going to end up being down for much longer. And my, yeah. um, my, my son, um, he got really sick and he's, he's gone through a lot in this last year as far as sickness where the year before he did really well, but um he got really sick on Friday. He came home from school and he broke out like in a rash all the way around his mouth. Like just, and with autism and stuff too, it's a, it's a pretty miserable experience because for him, it's, he's very sensitive and very emotional mm-hmm. and it's hard to settle him down. So, and your skin is more insensitive and everything, every touch, everything. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot of a lot of focus we have to put on him and Rob was away and uh, that makes it even harder, you know, because he's he does like having us both with him when he's not well. But um, anyway, but, you know, this is the other thing. And, and Eric has worked with me long and hard about this. And this is expectations, whether this is um because I put a lot of expectation on myself and I it's it's important for me and my family is number one and I will always be there for them first before anything but um you know it's hard and and I don't know what your experience has been in this but when we do sessions like I I won't do a session if I'm compromised you know um there's plenty of things I do to uh, you know, things can still go on around me and I can do sessions fine. But when it comes to physical, like with the body, if I'm extremely tired or I'm ill in some way, it's, it just doesn't, doesn't do well with me. It's not, a, it doesn't mm-hmm. come translate to a good reading. And I don't think that's fair to somebody that's waited to have a session either to have me kind of at my half mass, you know? Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Yeah, but that's, it's hard because it's, um, especially with this work, you know, you don't want to disappoint anybody. You want to be there for them, but everybody's, everybody, and I truly mean this, is absolutely amazing with me. So I'm very fortunate that I've had such a good, a good group of people. 
This is such a good group of people. I feel so fortunate that I have gotten to kind of nuzzle my way in. Oh, and they love you. <laughs> um, they love you. And you guys are all so supportive. And I loved the comments last week. Everyone was like sharing their experiences and yes. reading it was fantastic. All the comments, all this whole time yeah. have been amazing. So yes. keep them up. And oh, yes, please. We keep love supporting them. us. Yes. It, it feels good to know you guys. Yeah. like what's on our mind it does it does because Mary and I really love this we really enjoy yes. this so yes. we're really glad we you do. guys do too yeah yeah well, well I hope you feel note, better thank you thank you I'm gonna go take my nasally stuff my nasally <laughs> self and and go and finish up some work and uh I will see you later sounds good thank you everyone have a Bye, good week everybody have a good week